This is comedian Joshua Fotokalafi. You're listening to Old Ute Radio. You're listening to KU Radio's only podcast, Old Ute Radio. And it hurts so good. P. Rama, what up, sir? What up, Sasha Bloom? How are you, buddy? I was very tired, but once you get in studio, you get that second gear. You got like an energy drink of Rockstar Studio Edition. <laughs> that old Ute Radio schniz, sir. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Comes in an 84-ounce can. Let's do it. Crack them. 12-pack that style. we got a great show today, sir. Sure do. I'm kind of pumped up for it. Talking some football. I got some specific football, football questions for Michelle when she comes in. And our buddy uh, Jason Harvey is going to talk some comedy shows and play our little uh, movie game. See if he can topple Dr. Bebo. I want to know why he uh, ducked out last week. Jason? Yeah, yes. we can ask him about that. I really foresee this, this game sweeping the nation and everybody sort of playing their own iteration of it. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's a simple game. It's like Jenga. You know, you all can play it in your living room. On a Friday night. I like your enthusiasm, sir. Yes, sir. I'm a <laughs> glass half uh, half full sort of guy. Yeah, I'm a empty glass kind of guy myself. All right, fair enough. Put them both together, we got a fourth of a glass. Well, that's why we're a good team, sir. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. I like it. So KU is about 90% fixed. On demand is good to go. Yes, I've been getting some uh, some positive stuff about the episodes being up and available for people, for people to listen to whenever they want. Me too. Awesome. And there still is an RSS feed issue, which involves itself to direct downloading the link. And if you want to get it on iTunes and stuff like that, that stuff is still down because we're rebuilding the app. Okay, that was my next question, the yes. iTunes situation. We're out any day, any day. It's hard to code that stuff, especially when the guy that's coding it is taking like 16 or 17 units, plus running a radio show. So big shout-out to Jerem Norris, relative of Chuck Norris here at KU Radio. He does a Friday o'clock geek wave show. Check it out. And uh, I guess for those people, just for information, if you can't get iTunes, it's still available. Online, yeah. so you can you can get your fix, give some listens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, keep it floating. Yes, and I'm very excited. I think what this has done to me is it's inspired me to open up an OU Radio website, and I think we're going to make an iTunes page and just put the interviews up there because we've done marvelous work with interviews. And in terms of the content, without other smart people coming in, I don't know if it's good. But our interviews are home runs, and we've had broadcast Hall of Famers, NFL players, current NFL players. We've had news directors, some of the best journalists, some of the great musicians, and, of course, 
I think we do the best job with comedians in Salt Lake City, podcast or radio show-wise. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think this show's been good to comedians, just speaking of myself. been a great sort of platform to to have a long-form interview, to sort of put your ideas out there, to promote your stuff, too. Mm-hmm. It's to the point where, like, I feel like we almost... Uh, it's the greatest thing for comedians. Like we got to balance it out. We got so many, co- so many comics, so many talented folks. We need to balance it out. But it's so easy to talk to comics that it's an easy default to be like, let's get some comics in here. And you know what I appreciate about the Salt Lake comics is they don't come in and do bits. Occasionally, a joke will come in um, mm-hmm. throughout the 45, 55 minute interview. But now that we've interviewed everyone, like Andy Gold, I don't want to know anything more about Andy Gold. I just want him to come in and be funny. Yeah. And hang out with us. So that's the next branch we're going to be moving to is, I don't know, maybe get these comics in and read the news with them. Yeah, let them, let them sort of stretch. Yeah, or maybe uh, we'll watch episodes of Oprah Winfrey together. Oh, I like this idea. You know. Dropping new ideas on me. Watch some, some old Oprah. Oh. Some tight, high-waisted jeans Oprah. Some 450 Oprah. Oh, there you go. 450. Oh, my God. Taking it back. Taking it back. The Oprah industry. That would be an interesting one. Comedians watching Oprah. It sounds good to me. Yeah. yeah. I'll watch it. The Oprah Network. Well, she'd probably sue us so quickly, too. Yeah, yeah, this show will be down in no time. You do not speak ill of the Oprah. In the history books, when the aliens I- eventually invade, you are like, take us to this Oprah. What is going on there? Yeah, yeah, that's going to be our, our legacy. The land that Oprah ruled. <laughs> Just frozen cows in her freezer? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, not patties, cows. Full cows. Yes. Oh, I thought you meant patties. No, you meant no, no, full. no, full cow. All right. She seems like a full cow woman to me. Yeah, yeah, she's a she's a full lady. <laughs> I like that though. makes her makes her seem strong to me. She's got. An, I don't want no skinny Oprah. She's an impeccable broadcaster. She's very much like Howard Stern, where you can. It seems like the guests walk in happy or pissed off. By the end of it, they're either crying or have talked about stuff that they're ashamed about and never wanted anyone to hear about. She really is a phenomenal interviewer. You know that that's true. I didn't I didn't think of Oprah that way. And she's got a stunning, stunning voice. You never hear hear her say, um, or but, or long. She'll take a long pause, but she always looks at the camera. She makes the viewer seem like she's talking to them. And very few people, even news anchors who are on TV for their whole life, don't do that to the audience. I didn't even, you you know, you're right. I didn't even think of her that way, because I think Oprah, I think TV, I think pop culture, but I didn't think how good of an interviewer she is. She might be in the top two or three of people ever on television. Oh, uh, certainly. Yeah. Certainly. Who would be in there? Those top, say that top three of television. Walter Cronkite. People. Uh Uh-huh. Oprah Winfrey. Oprah. I think, uh, would you put uh, Tom Brokaw in there? Would you put... I'd put Carson. Oh, okay. I was thinking just news. Definitely Carson. Johnny Carson was phenomenal. In the, in the he was that same guy. He could have Andy Kaufman there, but he would make you as a watcher feel like you were there mm-hmm. because he looked at you, and the camera work was so good that they made his eyes show emotion. Most camera people who work in television don't know how to do that. Mm-hmm. That comes with good lighting, but good camera angles too. Yeah, and over probably 30 years uh, on that desk, you get to be quite the master. I think sort of telling that story. 
I think m- modern time wise, Letterman's very good. You like Letterman? I do. I think he's not only is he hysterically funny, but he also draws you in as a audience member. Do you do you draw a big line between old Letterman and say in the last ten years Letterman, or do you like everything he's put out? Because there is a difference, though, right? You notice that change when he was doing the Late Show a long time ago versus current. His best time in media was when he was happy and animated. You know, he's had a lot of heart problems and a lot of health issues, and I think that's caught up to him a bit. But if you were a Howard Stern fan back in the early 90s, uh, Dirty Dave would call in. Oh, yeah. And they made this whole uh, thing where he'd call gay bathhouses and all these, like, gay hair salons and just do the most politically incorrect jokes and radio bits you'd ever hear. Go back and listen to it if you don't mind uh, really lowbrow humor. It's fantastic. Dirty Dave. Dirty Dave and Howard yeah. Stern. Stern would be up there, too, in personalities. Radio, of course, but, yeah, just such a good interviewer, such a good listen. Feels like it's you, him, and the guests, and there's no one else in the room. Sort of effect to it. Well, see, when you get to radio, there's a plethora of great interviewers. One of the things I don't enjoy about Howard Stern is he's really heavy on the old penis joke and it gets tiring over and over yeah, I mean, the guy's been doing it for out. 32 years yeah it's like every interview he's interviewing how big are you you know mm-hmm. how big was this guy when he's re- talking to a lady and it's like well that's really you don't think that's uh that's kind of like interesting or the when I was 15 it was hysterical enough? really yeah because I agree that when I was 15 it was hysterical but I don't think I've changed. <laughs> I, think I, I, I think it's still interesting and, and hysterical. It's almost like the back of my head, he's asking a question. I was like, oh, yeah, that was my next question. You know? But I can see, I, I can see the repetition of it. Uh, maybe I'm it. being too square. You know, it happens when you sit in front of a microphone here. It's like you get really conservative. <laughs> or at least that's what I've done, you know. Yeah. Good interviewer, though. I mean, just excellent, excellent chops when it comes to the one-on-one long-form interview which is like almost like what a lot of like shows and broadcasters and podcasters are doing now is they're really trying to get good at a long-form interview let's see that's where you get into the podcasting world people say mark Marin is the greatest interviewer in modern time i don't think he's good i don't think his show's good you don't like it at all no not at all he's my favorite he's your favorite yeah he's my favorite in the long-form interview and the sort of tracking careers and the ups and downs i thought he was great with the cm punk interview I thought he was good with Miss Kay, but Joe Rogan broke that broke her open to the world. Pat, you mean? Miss Pat, sorry. Yeah. Yeah, we have Kay on her mind. Yeah, she was Mindy the Kay, um, yeah. she was yeah that was like the third podcast she had done. She'd been making the rounds, Miss Pat, comedian, um, comedian, comedian who did the Rogan podcast where I heard her. She was on the Opie and Joey Anthony Diaz. show. I didn't hear the Opie and Anthony one. Yeah, and then the Marilyn was the last one. So yeah, I think you're. You're right in that. We sort of heard her life story a few times over by that point. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, I I will say I listened to all of it, though. I listened to all three of her interviews. You a Jay Moore fan? I like Jay Moore. Yeah, I like his stories. I think he's super funny. He had on today, or the one he put up today, Ralphie May. And uh, it's one of those things you can tell when two people are good friends and have logged a lot of hours together because they just jump right in to the stories to how they sort of look at their craft, 
how they look at up and coming comics, how they look at the old a veteran comic, and they're just like it's incredibly insightful to them. But yeah, he had Ralphie Mann today, and that was good. I listened to that one start to finish today. See, I, I do was, like his podcast. I was driving home the other day, and I was listening to him with comedian Lisa Lampanelli, mm-hmm. and I turned it off midway through because. When we have Dr. Hodgkins in, you'll come in and understand why I feel this way. But I don't think white people should be using the N-word. Uh-huh. And How come? Because they have no idea the impact of the word. And comics, some comics will use it. Oh, it's a freedom of expression. It's a form of comedy. Mm-hmm. But that word is a really, really hurtful It's It's word. the biggest connotation-carrying word for us in our modern-day society by far, for sure. Yeah. I, uh, I, I kind of am back and forth on it because I would say today's generation of black people have no idea what that word means to the previous generation, too. So I think that word probably has evolved some, too. But, yeah, I, I do think that it is a big way in how you use it because there was a time about 10 or 15 years ago where that word made a comeback and it got used a lot more in pop culture. And I think that ushered it into people of non-color saying, hey, maybe I can use this, maybe I can use this. And it's a huge gray area because I would be honest, I'm okay when people use it in a non-sort of like derogatory way, but I don't know if I could use it. I don't know if I would feel comfortable using it. I went to high school with this kid named Marlon Basil. Uh Biggest tool I ever met in my entire life. Like he thought he was the best at everything. You know, just, he was like five, six, and just thought he was the gift to women, to school, to everything. And uh, I had another friend named Dante, and Marlon walks up to him and goes, what up, you know? And Dante punched him right in the heart and hooked him right in the face. He was like, you don't have the right to call me that. Do you think uh, if another black guy came up to him and said that same expression, the reaction would be different? Oh, Dante probably wouldn't have hit him, no. Right, right. No, he'd say it all the time, but it wasn't something that was appropriate for me to say. Sure. But uh, what I'm saying is it's very hard because I've heard that used from in in conversations of white guys and black guys involved and sometimes it's okay sometimes it's not so it's it's hard to sort of put a put a thumbnail on that and say when it can be used and when it can't it's we're going to argue about this for the next I would say 100 years probably well let's because it's such a hot 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 word let me reach out to Dr. Hodgkins here at the University of Utah and see if I can get them in in the next week or so so that we can continue developing uh, this concept because it's a powerful one. And Very. I know with KU On Demand down right now, I mean, it's not down like there's 30 episodes available, but Hodgkins came in on Key Show a year ago. And so that's not up right now because we're still working on that part. So I can't go and say, hey, listeners, go listen to episode 67 with Dr. Hodgkins. Can't do it. So we'll get them back in and... Because it's phenomenal. Yeah. And His perspective would be pretty interesting on it. Yeah. And then, uh, but we got a lot of good stuff coming up. But right now, I want to play some music. We got one of the best comedians in the west of the Mississippi, uh, Jason Harvey, coming in. Kid has a work ethic like no other. Uh, you can see him hosting and creating comedy shows at Five Monkeys, at Southtown Station, and God knows where else he's creating new comedy venues. So. With that, we'll be right back. Patrick Ramirez, I really appreciate you coming in studio. Follow him at Patrick in my head on Twitter and uh, make fun of him for me, would you? Yes, please. Yes, sir.
School is back in session, and so is All You Radio, with your hosts, Rebecca and Sasha. Catch us at our new slot this fall, every Tuesday night from 7 to 9 p.m. at KUradio.org. If you haven't, please like us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at All You Radio. guy rapping is a guy named Tariq from New York City. Uh, we had him on the show. He's phenomenal. Great lyricist. Go check him out on YouTube. Go buy his stuff on iTunes. Jason Harvey, how are you, sir? I'm excellent. How are you? Oh, it's a pleasure to see you. Thanks for coming in, Jason. Thanks for having me. I'm getting so excited knowing, and I might be might make you totally mad here, but I'm super pumped for this concept of a podcast with you and the gorgeous Natasha Miller. I'm, I'm excited. It's not going to make you mad at all. Okay. Be excited, you're excited. What, uh, what kind of show you have in mind? Uh, I know you, I know Tasha Maurer, but put you two together, do you have a concept in mind or is this a hang? This is, a, yeah, we, we kind of came up with a concept. We've been developing it and just bouncing ideas off of each other, trying to get a good structure for it. And I think we finally uh, came up with a pretty good structure. So it'll be us talking, we'll share stories, and then we're going to write uh, like a sketch sitcomish thing. That So we'll talk about a story, and then we'll have a sketch related to a story right after, right after we talk. And it'll be kind of have that old-time radio feel to it. We'll have sound effects and, and stuff like that setting the scenes, but then it'll, it'll primarily focus on... Us so, still being comedians, and this is our life. Can I make a suggestion to a- you, sir? Absolutely. I want to take you and Natasha to a gospel church and get the beautiful gospel choir somewhere to do jingles for your show. Like, remember those old jingles? Oh, yeah. K-O-D-J, you know, something like that? So we could, like, as almost like ra- like radio ad type of yeah. jingles. Yeah. That would be... Oh, I, Love that. Yeah. Because then you can get like four perfect female voices like syncing up right behind you, like acapella style. It would be phenomenal. That would be great. I wanted to do it for all you radio, but that's past its time. <laughs> <laughs> Don't give up. Don't, Don't give up give on up. the gospel choir. That's one thing I learned. Never give up on a, on a gospel choir. Um, you you and Natasha are like pretty tight friends. How, how did you guys meet? Uh, How do I even know Natasha Mara? Uh, Natasha and I have been friends probably three, three and a half years now. I, I met her just doing open mics at Wise Guys. Uh-huh. And then she opened for me on a show at K-Town. And then just from open mics, we've just gotten closer and closer. And then we started talking about doing sketches or podcasts or something like that. And it got us hanging out more, writing more. Yeah. But that's pretty much how it, uh, Natasha and I just started writing together. And bouncing ideas back and uh-huh. forth for our stand-up. Like, so I'll help her write some of her stuff. She helps me write my stuff, and we just bounce ideas back and forth. Yeah, and like it, you guys are on similar wavelengths. It, it works out really well, too. Well. Um, I'm getting the feeling, and I don't know her very well, but I think she's brilliant. 
She is. Oh, like, real, like, a lot of people will throw that word out there, but I think she's brilliant. She, uh, amazing. Yeah. That's such a good... Uh, her writing is phenomenal. And creative and spontaneous and... And short, too. Like, she short, can write very, a show yeah. just really, yeah. really quick, but it's even in, like, from concept to where it goes on stage, she comes up with it and gets it all structured, gets the wording right, the timing right, really quick. She just has a great understanding of... Uh, of performing comedy. She has a real, yeah, I, I notice this a lot when you hear a lot of people go up and do comedy. She has a real economy of words. Yes. Where every word has a purpose. There's no word in there that is sort of like matter of fact or anything. Every word is moving you towards the end or the punchline. This punchline, line, yeah. The, the, the moral of it. So she's a, Yeah, actually, she's probably one of the most like economic comedians that we have as far as uh, word-wise. Like She very, keeps everything super... Yeah. She like her sets are just very quick, quick to jokes, quick mm-hmm. to right, quick to the laughter. She is uh, easily one of my my favorite comedians. She's one of those people too, and I would put you in that category too. If you go to enough open mics, you know at some point, like sitting there watching the open mic, that at some point the show's gonna come off the rails, or you're like, okay, any <laughs> second now, any second now, this thing's gonna catch a fire, and then she goes up and you're like, okay, we're good. Yeah, we're you know, back. It's settled okay. back down now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Nothing's, yeah, yeah. nothing's going to happen here that's going to be bad. This is going to be good now. You know, I'll put yourself in that category too. But yeah, she's one of those where you're like, all right, you can settle in actually enjoy it. Yes. You're not nervous. No, not like, is this, the, do we keep, are we keeping off the rails here? Are we just, yeah. uh, are we that train in the fugitive just chasing <laughs> Harrison Ford through the woods? Right. Is that what's going the on? The train's in the woods now? Yeah. It's not slowing down. It's actually picking up steam. <laughs> oh, it's downhill. <laughs> Gravity. Okay. <laughs> Every show has that moment where you're like, this is happening. Yeah. <laughs> Patrick sent out a tweet, I don't know, a couple of months ago. And it was on a Wednesday night, and there was like 34 comics in a list of who was open micing at Wise Guys on Wednesday. It It's a home run show. Like, yeah. there were 18 comics the, uh, yeah, that like are all Salt Lake names, very, yeah. very funny. Absolutely. And that's our, since starting, I started comedy over five years ago. And it's unreal to me how much the scene has grown. People, we've gotten more comedians, but even quality of comedy has gone up a lot. Yeah. And, and how about lot. the crowd? Because 20 years ago, 25 years ago, if you would have thought there would have been a happening comedy scene, you would have been crazy because no one, you would have thought, that, oh, these stiff godly people yeah. aren't going to a comedy show. That's the biggest one you get, yeah. But that's not the case. No, I, and, I, and I think uh, a lot of the time where we are, or like, people are on hard times or not, whatever, you mm-hmm. know, whatever it is, the economy is kind of in, in the crapper a little bit, mm-hmm. but uh, I think that gets people to want to see comedy. They want to laugh after they've gone to work and done that, paid their bills, whatever, then now they're like, I want something to help me forget about my day job or something like that. And I think some of the I think some of the comics undersell themselves too. I'd I'd pay more money to see Whitaker, Gold, uh, Solberg, you know, and those type of guys. I would pay more money. Like, 12 bucks, I would pay you 17 bucks. Like, yeah. Go ahead and ask a little bit more. Quit being so modest, take, guys. Take some money. Yeah. Yeah. You, yeah. Well, that, and that's the thing, too, is, like, I feel people should want... I don't think... I think in comedy, you don't get paid for the time that you actually put in, even when, you know, until you're... You get paid when you're 40. Making it, yeah. Until you've, you've really made a name for yourself and you can tour and travel and actually hit clubs and sell out shows, 
you're not going to get paid for the amount of work that you actually do. Yeah, it's kind of like if you're going to grad school. You're, <laughs> you're putting in a lot of hours for something that hopefully pays off down the road. Fingers you know, crossed. You fingers crossed. <laughs> you stick with it. A little bit to that credit of, like, the growing comic community is, like, you've put on a lot of your own shows. You've created your own stages yeah. in a lot of ways. I always give people credit who put on their own shows because, like, that is a lot of undertaking. That's a lot it of work. Is. It's a lot of, like, legwork. It's a lot of putting things together. And you've put on – how many shows do you usually put on a year? Um, now I've, uh, I'm running about two monthly shows, and then sometimes it ends up being three monthly depending on if someone's coming in from out of town and they've contacted me so I can set up a show. But I'm probably putting on, I'll say, 20, 25 to 30 that I'm producing myself. I'm talking to the venues. I'm booking the comedians. I'm setting everything up. I'm mm-hmm. yeah, promoting the show. Yeah, when, for people to know, someone who's putting on a show, you're the man. You're booking the club, like you said. You're putting the acts in there. You're trying to get promotion to it. Yeah. When, how, when did you start doing that? When did you sort Just of... Just a, a year ago, actually. Really? Uh, my my year anniversary of Comedy and Other Opinions uh, was just this past week, at Thursday, this past Thursday at Five Monkeys, which mm-hmm. was great. We had an awesome turnout. It was a lot of fun. Since it was my anniversary show, we did a free, like, no cover, and then people were able to donate there. One of uh, Natasha and I's friends was recently diagnosed with cancer, and we were able to just do a fundraiser for her, and we made almost 450 bucks for her, just straight donations, mm-hmm. which was amazing. Wow. Initially, what was your motivation for starting your own show? Is it something you'd wanted to do for a while? Did you find a need for it? Yeah, uh, I had wanted to do it for a while, and what what actually even happened was Brian Pope had been doing uh, the show at Five Monkeys, and then he moved to New York, and I just like called him up and talked to him about if anybody had tried to even get the show, that stage, because I didn't want to lose another stage to perform here in Utah. I see. And yeah. so that was kind of the main motivation was, well, if nobody else does this, we're going to lose, like, lose a stage. So I just contacted Ryan at Five Monkeys, and he's been amazing to work with and then uh doug evans at sandy station started talking about how he wanted to do comedy shows and so we've done done shows there too uh-huh and it's a different vibe than the club the, yes the bar show the thing it's fun in its own way i think i've done uh two of those two. shows yeah. that you've put uh-huh. on one at sandy station one at the five monkeys and it's a totally different vibe it's fun in a different way yeah and you make it a little unique with the style the way you host it to it, so it's kind of a different. I mean, I don't even want to call it alternative comedy. It's it's comedy still. Yeah, it's just it's a it's your own product. Too. Yeah, it's just a different. The whole thing with my show is uh, I'll, I'll let comedians go up and do stand up, and then right after we sit down and we have somewhat of an improv interview where I've written stupid random questions, and then it just we see where it goes. Yeah, and it's a cool way to see. Well, that guy was funny on stage performing. He's writing that material. He's working through that material, and it's coming through really well. But it also gives an audience a way to see comedians just on the fly. How, like, how yeah. good are they just sitting back? And, like, what is their personality really like? It lets comedians be seen kind of in a different light. That's the angle I like of it. Yeah, you give them a little bit, a little some jumping off points. You see how they are on their feet to it. Yeah, yeah that I think is, is pretty cool to it. I like that aspect that you run it. Yeah. Where did that idea come from? Uh, it ended up just... I kept thinking, I've got to have a name for this show, and I kept going through different names, and I can't even remember what some of those names were now. And then Comedy and Other Opinions just hit me once, and I was mm-hmm. just like, that's a really, I like that name. Because to me, I've had people come up to me after shows and 
yeah, I didn't like this that you said. And it's just like, well, okay, that because I think that's funny. That's why I talked flag, about huh? it. And so, yeah, it, it happens. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. Uh, I just it's take like, it as a, eh, you write well, your it own, wasn't for you. Yeah, you write your own ideas, thoughts, opinions out, and you start saying that at some point, someone's going to disagree. Yeah. You know, I, I like, I don't know how else to tell people. It's like, you're not going to please everybody. You got to put it out there. I think the best comedy is when it's the most honest comedy. I agree. And it's a, and, and the counterpoint is that's probably the most risky, too. But I think that's the most interesting. It, it, I think it is. But I think also the biggest payoffs come from those risks. I think a, a lot of the best – my material that I, has worked out the best was a lot of the stuff that I was scared to tell at first. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I'm not Did ready for that. Did you have a subject that. matter you avoided early on? Or was it just a way of it sort was, of like finding that at that angle? I think like, – because I had written my joke about evolution in a strip club mm-hmm. years. <laughs> like uh, years – like – it was one of the first jokes I ever wrote, but I didn't tell it for a year and a half of doing stand-up because I just uh-huh. didn't feel comfortable. It was a longer bit than I was used to doing. I I used to do a lot of just pretty much set-up punchline, set-up punchline type of stuff when I was first doing open mics at Wise Guys because you had three to four minutes, yeah. and that's it. So open you, mics, very short time. You just yeah. get in as much jokes and laughs as you can, like mm-hmm. pack those punchlines in there. That this was more like a story where it wasn't as punchy, but there were still things along the way that hit like a punchline would. But it was still mm-hmm. just me telling a story and my odd perspective of it, and I just didn't feel, I didn't feel comfortable opening up that much. I think about myself quite yet. Sure, yeah, it's a hard thing to do. Yeah, I think it takes a, a few years of being on stage to the point of where you're like finally just, pff, I'll let people know some terrible right. things about me yeah and then maybe you're to the point where you feel comfortable enough on stage yeah. you're like good or bad I'm, I'm, I, I have a little more confidence to try this yeah to it yeah yeah it's an interesting thing just the honesty of making something funny to it on stage well yeah and is this funny on stage is the weird like is this gonna come across like I've got my friends laughing with this right. stuff before is yeah. it going to well, work laugh, when yeah. I write it for the stage yeah it's an interesting thing so I have to be host boy here give me your plug we're going to pop quick to break when we get back you're going to try and regain your belt that you lost Ooh. to Dr. Bemo uh, yes it's going to be a difficult one so give me your Twitter Mr. Harvey Sorry, it's at Jason underscore Harvey yes fantastic follow and shows coming up, good sir. I have a show this Friday at the Gallivan Center. Nice. Um, it's going to be awesome. It's uh, Ryan Schlegel is putting on the show. He he runs it. Um, I don't know if it's every other month or every month that he's going to be doing this, but uh, the Gallivan Center this Friday with Cody Eden, who is amazing. And then Saturday I will be at the Fifth in Bountiful for a Halloween show, and uh, Natasha and I will actually be telling jokes in costume, so it's going to be a completely different Oh, she's going to be so hot. That's just unfair going up with a gorgeous (laughs) girl in costume. Good form, sir. Patrick, when is your show? I know it's coming up here in a couple weeks. I'm going to be on uh, the fabulous Nick Smith's Dungeons & Dragons show in November in Provo. Never done it before. There's some craziness that I have, uh, ambiance, a lot of questions about. I just did the show. I don't know what's going to happen. Okay, well, then I have questions for you then. But it's going to be fun. He puts on a good show. He's a nice guy. That's in, uh, it's going to be Provo. All right, DJ P. Ramit, play me a super quick song. When we come back, we'll play this game. About 8.15, we're going to have the gorgeous uh, Michelle Bodkin in. 
got nervous there. Yeah, I almost did it. I almost did the O. It's Bodkin. So she'll be in breaking down Utah versus uh, USC. Jackson Banks will have some type of crazy going on at 9 o'clock. So stick with us. We appreciate your kindness. Listen good, I don't have nobody But what I might feel All the sounds of sanity Hoping what I hear loops itself continuously Then I won't be afraid, no, no Why must it feel so wrong When I try and do right You got a name for this game, P. Rema? Uh, you know, I got a few uh, names oh, bouncing around oh. in my head. Let's for test my, them live. For my head-to-head movie game. Go ahead, uh, sir. First one I'm sort of thinking is Rotten Tomatoes head-to-head. It's kind of on the nose. It's kind of basic to it. Uh, movie Grudge Match is one. I like that. Movie That's a better hashtag, sir. 
Yeah, that's true. In this fickle society, you gotta hashtag quick with. Booty grudge match. Booty grudge. Right, that's good. That's, that's going good. to the top of the. Did you say booty grudge match? <laughs> yes, MGM. I was taken. Yeah, so I'm working on those two right now. Okay. Fine tuning it. But yeah, so last week we tried out the movie game on uh, BMO, BMO Leisure. He went four for five. The good thing about this game is I think we just need one contestant. We yeah. don't need two people. So now we can sort of tally these scores. Yeah, that's over a time. good score, man. And then we're going to get champions in and we'll do like geographical quizzes or something like that. And I'm going to get a trophy made. It's going to probably have my son make it out of toilet paper rolls or something. You know. But we're going to do this. We're, we're committed to it. So enjoy this. And the, the, the pressure, you have an astrophysicist who came and took your belt. Jerk. Could he have done it with music, though? No. That's a good question. Boom. Yeah. So, Boom. <laughs> so he sort of took the de facto belt as there, no one had the belt, per se, in the movie game world. He well, sort of, the belt was there for and you know what? Losing to an astrophysicist doesn't sound that bad. AKA Jeopardy winner. Yeah. He did win Jeopardy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, he's so. honestly I, probably the smartest person I've met. I can't think of too many people that I've talked to that are like that level. Smart, of smart. guy. I'm actually, smart. I'm actually thinking of doing a remote show. I, I forget where they do their trivia every Tuesday night. He, Christian Piper, Marty Archibald, and Andy Gold are a team and do trivia. And I want to bring our remote system and just sit down and do a podcast around them. Is it uh, like pub? Like, oh, yeah. That's a good idea. Yeah. Dude, yeah. That would be awesome. Right. And I want to do it at Five Monkeys too because I know Brian Pope invited me to do it back in the day. Yeah. But Johnny and I were too raw to go live and host. So. Smart man, Bimo. Okay, let's do this. Five. Couldn't find the stairs to here, but he's still smart. <laughs> Sending a text. He's like, "Where is this place?" I'm like, "It's up the stairs." Where are the stairs? <laughs> so, what are the? What's the aim of this week's uh, okay, theme? Okay, this sir? week the theme is same actors. So all these movies I'm giving you head to head, there's uh, the same actors in it. So, like the first matchup, you know, we got two Alec Baldwin movies, the Beetlejuice versus. The Hunt for the Red October. Ooh, I knew it was going to be a lot of a lot of people forget Alec Baldwin was in Beetlejuice. Yeah, he's, the, really, he's the he's the ghost. He's the guy who dies. Yeah, yeah, yeah the husband. And so. so, are we saying uh, movie A did better than movie B? Is that what he's playing? It on? is correct. Get, now, correct me if I'm wrong, it's but it is score. critic score. Critic it's not score. user score, correct? That's okay. right. So you got to guess which critics liked. Which movie more than the other? So we'll we'll listen to a clip from uh, the Hunt from the Red October here. Go ahead, sir. You son of a bitch! Good. <laughs> you wish to add something to our discussion, Doctor Ryan? Well, sir, I was just thinking that perhaps there's another possibility we might consider. Ramius might be trying to defect. Do you mean to suggest that this man Proceed, has come, Mr. Ryan? Well, Ramius trained most of their officer corps which would put him in a position to select men willing to help him. But he's not Russian. He's Lithuanian by birth, raised by his jerk. paternal grandfather, a fisherman. And he has no children, no ties to leave behind. Okay, so Alec Baldwin there. I'm not a fan of Alec Baldwin. Yeah, I, I was going to say, you're not a fan. Why, why is that? I don't know. He just seems hokey to me, hacky. I liked him in Outside Providence a lot, though. But it's mostly... I forgot about that Right, movie. with the three-legged dog. Yeah. And I forget what he used to... The roach clip. Uh, yeah, presents. Pre yeah, and that girl <laughs> was so things, hot. Yeah. Like, and then he used to call his son like dumbass or something. Like yeah. every time he saw him, like it was fantastic. 
Uh, Baldwin fan, Jason? I'm I'm kind of on the fence. Uh, I really actually no, I am a I am a Baldwin fan. Yeah, I'm the same way. Acting acting wise, person like. Personally, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, him. we'll take that so, out. You know, we're judging him. Yeah, I do like his. Uh, he's awesome in Thirty Rock. He has always been a great uh, SNL host. And yes. Hunt for Red October was one of the first like dramatic movies I ever saw as a kid, and I remember just being like, "Yeah, this movie is awesome." I'll be honest with you. I've seen Hunt for Red October. I like the movie. I've watched it maybe ten times in my life. Still don't fully understand it. No, so I think, know yeah. what's going on in certain scenes. I just sort of like like this is a good movie. I just know enough that it's a good movie. It's drama. What so, about Beetlejuice? You Beetlejuice fan? I do like Beetlejuice. Thing? I don't. I hate Tim Burton now. Oh really? Yeah. Now I think he Never just regurgitated. Dude, he's remaking Mary Poppins. Like, can you have an original thought? Will you please? <laughs> can you please do something original, That's Tim true. Burton? Has he done can you send this to him? <laughs> the yes. only I remake sure that he has <laughs> ever done that was worth anything was Sleepy Hollow, when he. Did Sleepy Hollow? That was great. We he did a good Charlie animated cartoon though too. That was like a post-apocalyptic type thing with a robot. Kind of had like a Stitcher face uh, Halloween type thing. Oh, I think I know. I don't know the name of that movie. Oh, Nine. Yeah. Was it Nine? Yeah. yeah nine was pretty. Nine cool. was awesome. Well, See, I'm but he didn't direct it. He produced it. Okay. So, but uh, and then fair point, sir. So, I mean, in the early '90s when he was doing cool stuff and '80s, here's how unoriginal he is. He is. He does a short film called uh, Frankenweenie. Oh, right. Then, like, four years ago, he redoes his own movie. Smart. Talk about running out of ideas. Yeah, I guess that is smart. I'm going to delete the draft I have uh, emailed to him to remake uh, (laughs) Dukes of Hazard then. Okay, let's hear that clip, sir. (laughs) Uh, You don't have a Beetlejuice clip up here. I don't have a Beetlejuice clip. No Beetlejuice clip. All right, we're going straight to the matchup then. All right, Beetlejuice versus The Hunt for the Red October. Which one do you think has the higher... Rotten Tomato score. So Johnny Depp was the was the lead in Beetle. No, no, uh, no like Michael, Michael Keaton. Keaton. Yeah, yeah. My, yeah which Michael was Keaton. awesome. Yeah. He was great. And I mean, it, then Batman. He was the lead in Batman also. We'll which get to that. Tim Burton was good in in Batman. And founded the great Howard Stern caricature, Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice. Yeah. That's right. Beetlejuice. <laughs> I. What do you think? Oh, that's a. Uh, it's weird th- having Hunt for Red October. These are both before Rotten Tomatoes. So I've got to go... uh, Hmm. My brain's just telling me Hunt for Red October. I'm going to go... I'm just going to stay with Hunt for Red October. Hunt for Red October, okay. See, I'm saying Beetlejuice all the way. Okay. Beetlejuice has a score of 81%. That's good. good. Hunt for Red October, 96. Wow. Critics really like... It was a good movie. Sean Connery. It's a great movie. Sean Connery, Alec Baldwin. Pretty close to, yeah, fully, fully formed movie there. All right, one for one, sir. One for one, you're on a good track. Number two movie, or number two actor, Harrison Ford is in these two mm. movies. So we have Blade Runner versus Patriot Games. Who oh, we're sticking with a theme here, too. We got little, a Jack a Ryan theme. theme. Little Still. theme. All right, here's our clip. In. Listen in. It's too bright in here. Nice piano music. Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's really painting the picture. I actually just bought this on Blu-ray not too long ago. I want to be that guy that just makes dumb piano sounds and gets paid like a quarter million dollars. Will someone hit the, will, can someone hit the wind chimes? <laughs> yes. Get the wind chimes uh, for me. Harrison Ford's painting a water, watercolor 
make sure <laughs> I remember right. Yeah, this is obviously an action shot. <laughs> Do you mind if I smoke? This is where Rutger Howard's just coming to kill. It won't affect the test. <laughs> All right, I'm going to ask you a series of questions. Just relax and answer them as simply as you can. God, he sounds bored. He always does, doesn't he? He does. Yeah, he does have like a, a put out voice. Like he always just sounds like, oh, okay, I'll do this. It's Fine. It's your birthday. Someone gives you a caskin wallet. I wouldn't accept it. Also, I'd report the person who gave it to me to the police. Oh, boo. Okay, next one. All right, here we go. Here's our Patriot Games clip. Okay. Harrison Ford. SO-13 traced the weapons used in the Lord Holmes incident to an arms dealer that supplies Gaddafi. Almost sounds like we now, when Sean clips. Miller escaped, mm -hmm. he was last seen in a Zodiac heading out into the channel in a gale, which didn't make much sense until I checked on the freighters that were out there that day. We'll Syrian registry, known to carry arms from the Middle East to client states in the Mediterranean, including Gaddafi. So, Miller takes a slow boat to North Africa. Exactly. Now we send our it is the same guy. It really is. He's perfected that, though. Especially, you know what's good about his voice is the technical jargon. He sounds like a guy who would say technical jargon like that. Yeah, you are right. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, it's a good one. You seen any of these movies recently, uh, Jason? Uh, not How you feeling uh, Blade on Runner I've seen recently. I haven't okay. seen Patriot Games in probably eight years. Got a reaction. Gonna, the other two movies that came out before Rotten, Toma Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, so exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, uh, so excuse it a little bit. Well, you have Rid Ridley Scott at the directing true, helm true. on one hand, and see, and that's a weird thing because the Patriot uh, Games not so much a cult Tom, following. Oh, no. Tom Clancy movie though, right? Yeah, yes. and then Patriot Games is still sticking with Jack Ryan. Yeah, and I remember being excited to see that as a little boy. Patriot Games or yeah. a teenager, whatever. See, and I remember Clear and Present Danger coming out mm -hmm. and being up. Yes. There was a there was a heyday of novels into movies mm -hmm. in the nineties. Uh, yeah, yeah. mid nineties. Jurassic yes. Park kind of kicked it off, and they were like, "Let's run with this." It's true. Oh, yeah. the old Michael Crichton, mm -hmm. Grissom. I told so yeah. many people I read That's those, those books. Two yeah, and I did not read, read those no. books. I read Jurassic Park a lot. <laughs> but, uh, I'm gonna go with let's just go with Blade Runner on okay. that one because of I, I, Ridley Scott. I think I mean he did a great job directing that movie as well. Going with Blade Runner. All right, our scores. Blade Runner, 91%. Mm. Patriot Games, 76. Mm. Critics were not super kind to Patriot Games. That's kind, of a that's kind of weird. It, IRA. It was an IRA movie. That yeah. Should have been, been way more popular. I would think so. I was a little surprised to see that score. All right, so you're two for two. BMO is 50-50 after two. So. Okay, so you are, you are two for two right now. You're looking good. <sighs> Next matchup, Julia Roberts is in these two movies. Mm. One female. So we got Pretty Woman versus The Pelican Brief. So we got another book adaptation here. Mistitled name for that movie with Ju Julia Roberts in it, too. Pelican Brief or no, Pretty Woman? No, Pretty Woman. She's not a pretty woman. How about, you know, um, She Looks Okay Woman? Yes. Like Presentable <laughs> Woman. They couldn't call it Hooker. Dirty Girl. <laughs> We're going to just go with it. They should have called it Piggy Piggy. Yeah. <laughs> All right, here's our Pretty Woman Kay. clip. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna let it play. I'm gonna let it play for a Should be our theme song. 
very successful movie at the height of Richard Gere's yeah. uh, career and her career. Yeah. May I help you? I'm just checking things out. So hot. Are you looking for something particular? No, well, yeah. Uh, something conservative. Yes. You got nice stuff. Thank you. How much is this? I don't think this would fit you. Well, I didn't ask if it would fit. I asked how much it was. How much is this, Marie? It's very expensive. It's very expensive. Ugh. Look, I got money to spend in here. <laughs> just, just trying I don't to think guess we have anything for you. This was made. You're obviously in the wrong place. Yeah. Right, right? This like, scene alone. Was it 89? Every, like, 80s to late 80s movie had that scene where the fish out of water went to a frumpy retail store. <laughs> and, the, and the chicks with the nice hair clip gave her a hard time. Okay, let's do the next one, sir. Here we go. This is uh, from the Pelican Brief. We found Rosenberg around 1 a.m. His nurse was also murdered. Jensen was found two hours later in some queer club. Boyles called me wildly upset. This is hardly good for the reputation of the FBI. He and Gaminsky are on the way. Gaminsky? Yeah. CIA should be involved, at least for now. You'll want to address the nation in a couple of hours. We'll have to wait until 7 at least if we want an audience. The code and time may seem a bit rehearsed this time in the morning. How about a cardigan? You want me to talk to the nation in a time of crisis wearing a sweater? Mr. President. This is very heavy dialogue. I've already called justice and told very them to heavy. put together a preliminary list of nominees. Restructuring the court will be your legacy. <clears throat> Mr. President? Is she in this? Uh, she's in Mr. this clip. I can skip ahead. Do I have any suspects? Well, it's okay. For time, let's, uh, we'll let's just get on with the game. That was good dialogue. That was written well. Where are you at, J- Jason? Uh... Both of the, uh, I know throwing you off. Yeah, this one's throwing me off a bit just because I know uh, my own opinions on the Pelican Brief is Denzel Washington, Nuff Said. It's a Denzel movie. It is a Denzel movie. But I'm going to, I I know Pretty Woman was just loved by so many people. Train them young girls up. I'm going to go, let's go Pretty Woman on that one. Pretty Woman. Okay, here we go. Pretty Woman has a score 62%. (laughs) Pelican Brief has a score 52%. You're three for three. Three for three. That one, I was wow, really surprised I'm shocked by both that these Pelican scores. Brief was, both of them are really low. I looked both these is up because I didn't believe them. Ed, is it hindsight reviewing I think there's some now? of that. I think there's some of that. But there's, yeah. There was some bad strange. dialogue in that pretty woman. Yeah. And like you is. could almost, you could hear her nervousness in her voice on that first part when she talked you could hear it like come up through her throat uh, yeah it's, like, come it's on. one of those movies you, you liked because you were young and it was popular and then yeah. the time just wasn't good to the movie well no it w- <laughs> and then yeah. you, the the whole concept Weird. now is uh, as concept like an adult now i'm like wait one second here <laughs> who, who wrote this who who wrote this movie uh, julie roberts you're doing pretty good though three for three jason so the tough yes. part's done for the third. tie uh, what, what are these next ones? And let's okay. do them quickly. Michael Keaton is in both these movies. We have Batman versus Multiplicity. Here's our uh, Batman clip. Made mistakes. And then he had us. Now you want to get nuts? Come on. Let's get nuts. I think that phrase is going to be on let's Michael Keaton's gravestone. It's going to be our new nothing. intro. Okay. <laughs> so I clipped him. Um, what was it? What was what? Your dream. Oh, I don't know. I'm sleeping. Go back to sleep, honey. Everything will be okay. It'll be fine. Don't worry. I like that Michael Keaton clip because that's him at his like most Keatoniest. Yeah. <laughs> Just sort of a little quick joke for himself. 
and no one else gets. <laughs> what was you dream about? I don't know. I was sleeping. Wait, was that Batman and Multiplicity back to back? Uh-huh. Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Because I got that Multiplicity one again. That okay. that one is a short one. Okay, yeah, like, yeah. Multiplicity again. Nothing. It's okay. I just had a ter- terrible dream. What was it? What was what? Your dream. Oh, I, I don't know. I'm sleeping. Go back to sleep. Honey. <laughs> <laughs> this is such a good show. Well, that's what. Did you see him in the other guys? He was. So yes. great in the funny. other guys. Um, I actually uh, I like both of these movies. Um, I just recently bought the four old Batman movies on in one case. Uh, I'm gonna go with Batman on on that one. Going with Batman, okay. Batman has a score of 72 mm. on Rotten Tomatoes. Multiplicity, 44. Wow. So that was a runaway. Runaway four for four. This is getting hot. This is getting hot. You could go undefeated here. Wow. Last matchup. Okay. Last matchup. John Travolta is the actor mm. in these two movies. Pulp Fiction and Get Shorty. Two very travolta So good. Both of them. Movies. <laughs> All right. Here's our uh, Pulp Fiction clip. Martin and Lewis. Vanilla Coke. <laughs> Just celebrated 20 years. Yep. Yummy. You think I can have a sip of that? So hot. Be my guest. I gotta know what a $5 shake tastes like. You can use my straw. I don't have cooties. Yeah, but maybe I do. Cooties I can handle. That's the AIDS I don't like. Okay, I, I want to get careful on language here. I don't know if yeah, I, I was like that right one. after yeah. that milkshake. <laughs> this was a great movie. That's an example of like the director said, "All right, once you say your line, I want you to pause for 18 seconds, and then the next person say their line." It's like that really like See, labored really dialogue is. draws you in. Uh, Tarantino is amazing with dialogue, though. Tarantino so fan, huh? Good. Yeah, I love Tarantino. Okay, I'm I'm hot and cold on him. He's my Alec Baldwin. <laughs> hot and cold on him. Uh, we don't have a clip for the uh, Get Shorty one, but did you see Get Shorty? I did. Year like when it came, not too long after it came out. What did it come out in like ninety seven? probably mid ninety. Yeah, yeah, mid late nineties. Okay. All right. What do you think of these two? They're both How great. You about they're these both matches? great. You I like both that's movies. a yeah. I like both of these movies, and they are both really well written. I I have to go with Pulp Fiction. Okay. On this one, Pulp Fiction. If you're yeah. in Pulp Fiction, we got a score of Pulp Fiction ninety four. Get Shorty has a score of 86. We have an undefeated champion. Woo! Undefeated, sir. Give me my belt back. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Somebody get BMO on the line. Somebody get BMO steaming in his car right now. So the first one, you dominated the room with Beck and I in it. I don't know if there was anyone else in there. I think, yeah, it was just the three of us. And then you, Patrick. Did, you did the clean sweep. Good form. Clean sweep. Thank you. I almost think I made the game too easy or something. <laughs> I'm a movie dork really bad like i think i have like, beetlejuice match that's the one that that's the that one that was pretty tough because i was i thought you were gonna be like beetlejuice for sure because everybody likes beetlejuice See, cult I, following i just remember hunt it. for red october was one of those movies that stuck out to me very much as a child so mm. you nailed it we have a champion mr bloom like this so we're gonna go to break here when we get back we're gonna have michelle bodkin in Jason, I feel like this was a very short time you were in, but you're here for an hour. Yeah, it was fun. Like a, like a breeze. It was. It was a lot of fun. Thanks for so having me on. you got a Absolutely. podcast coming out soon. I hope to have you in st- what, studio before then. Yes. Got shows coming up this weekend. Where are they, sir? Um, 
this uh, this Friday at the Gallivan Center. That's a, a free show, so just show up. Um, they are selling beer at that show as well. Yummy. So woo! And then uh, at the fifth up in Bountiful on Saturday. Okay. Go. You're fantastic. Yeah. You yeah, work. You always work with great comedians. I, I do my best and surround myself with the funniest people. So yeah, he puts on make a good me show. come out and go out. Helps me come across. For funnier. the podcast, do you have anything long term? Do you have anything at Sandy Station or Five Monkeys or? Um, not uh, just pretty much every third Thursday at, at okay. Five Monkeys. I will be. Uh, we'll have comedy and other opinions there. Okay, that's a good slogan. Every third Thursday. Yep, I like that. Third Thursday at eight o'clock. You got any music for me, P. Rama? Hey, what's up? It's Fox 13's Big Buddha. You are listening to KU Radio, radio for students, by students. Hey, guys, this is Dwayne Perkins, and you're listening to Old Youth Radio. You know it. Sasha Bloom, OU Radio. In studio, we have the beautiful Michelle Bodkin. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm very excited to discuss the football game from last week and the upcoming blackout game against USC on Saturday, 8.30 kickoff. No kidding. I'm pretty stoked about all this myself. <laughs> so. I'm nervous about the game. Yeah, well, I nervous. mean, welcome to the Pac-12. Things are going good. From, from a fan standpoint, I'm nervous for every game because you just don't know what's going to happen. Imagine being a gambler, like uh, a professional. Psh, I would just Imagine. leave the Pac-12 way alone, way alone. Vegas did. Uh, it's a, it's a pick'em game, uh-huh. which is kind of embarrassing to Utah because they're home. Uh, they're I ranked mean, higher. Again, and I'm trying to think what it is now. I think it's up to, like, what is that? The statistic is that basically uh, teams in the Pac-12 are not winning at home this year, so yeah, they're the winning on the road. Well. Yeah, they're winning all their that. games on the road. What a crazy season in general. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It's so weird. Were you happy with last week's game? Because I was nervous the whole game. <sighs> I'm happy that they won. I really wish that they could figure out the quarterback issue and the receivers and. Well, let's just put it this way, the whole offense. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I think they got a running game. Uh, yeah, it, minus Booker. I think I, those I think, hogs yeah. on the offensive is line still are... gaining yards, I think. Yeah, I think, like a million yards. I think he's still running around somewhere <laughs> out there. He's, he's got a few carries just this afternoon. Oh, yeah. You know what drives me nuts about that game is wh- when did every college team have 50 uniforms? Like the Oregon State team looked like a big old jack-o'-lantern. And I, didn't know and I saw like, your tweet about that. I, I had to let somebody know. That. I was like, is, this, is, this is great. They're seasonal. They're letting everybody know. But now I don't know what teams are, are which. And it's obvious we have to blame Oregon for this because they have the most uniforms. Yeah. But now I can't understand which team is which anymore. I was going to say, ultimately what bugged me about 
Oregon Oregon State's uniform was that the orange on the helmet did not match the orange on their jersey. They were two <laughs> different colors of orange. And I hope I don't <laughs> offend you, but my favorite part of the game was when the color commentator would say, and there's an injured beaver on the field. It's yes. Like, God, you can't script a more funny joke. Like, <laughs> I think you like you get like a few chuckles out of the production truck. Of you know what? <laughs> My mind didn't so, even notice that until uh, you like brought it up. But no, I've been seeing the the beaver and the Trojan jokes fly yeah. the last it's like one after the other. Well. Exactly. Yeah. You offended me on that one, Sasha Bloom. Yes, I know. <laughs> you asked her, but you didn't ask me. What's up with that? Sorry, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a rude yeah, boy. Yeah, the, the uniforms drive me nuts. You know what? I have a proposal. We have Crazy Uniform Day one day a year. You not just have, like, free reign to choose your uniforms whenever you want. Or if you have the throwback day, I think both teams should get, have to wear their throwbacks. You know, that way it's a real throwback to it. Well, I think it's for recruiting. That's why yeah. they put that – that's why they filmed it poorly. You guys should really hire me for these uh, camera things. <laughs> Yeah, you know, but uh, that's what it's for, right, essentially? I I think a lot of it is recruiting. It's just nowadays the competition for good recruits mm-hmm. is just outrageous. It's it's really gone a little bit out of hand, I'd say. And so I think it's just people looking for anything to try and set themselves apart. Oh, absolutely. Make them, make them – and I think I talked about before, you know, young 20 something year olds and you know 18 19 year olds they're going to be a little more most of them are going to be a little more into the kind of labels and does it look fancy that's right i'm really into oshkosh as it turns out when i was 20 yeah oshkosh and structure oshkosh bagosh huh oh goodness at an oshkosh tuxedo but, yeah, my thought with the uniforms, they should both wear the throwbacks. Or here's a new idea with the uniforms. I've heard this before. Each hometown, say we have two sports teams in the hometown, should wear each other's uniforms. So, like, the Utes dress up like the Utah Jazz in football uniform for one game, and the Jazz dress up like the Utah Utes for one game. Get, like, a hometown groundswell going. For Salt oh, Lake. I thought you were going to say, like, Utah and BYU should switch, and I no, think no, no. all hell would break loose <laughs> no, no, no. if that happened. You want to talk no. about an antichrist in this valley? <laughs> no, I think the universe will implode on itself. No, I'm talking hometown. We stick it to the hometown. Okay. You know, it's an idea. Put that on the old shelf. Tweet at me how terrible of an idea that is. It's and I probably going to happen. I will tweet that right now. <laughs> yeah, what do you think? Anything that would look cool? So I asked you for professional courtesy before you came in, mm-hmm. and I said, was Kenneth Scott injured? No. 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 Where was he? That's a good question. And why was I, he? I, I would like to know where most of the receivers were besides Drez, because and his hands. honestly, that was not working so well. And I mean, to come out and say that you have all these other guys that you can go to and you don't go to them... Was it a Ooh. shutdown corner on Kenneth? I don't I didn't so. see that. And I know, unfortunately, they don't frame you with the 22 so that you can – 22 players on the field so that you can see the cornerbacks play and the way the safeties position themselves. Right. I think that's one of the worst things they do in football broadcasting. Mm-hmm. With that said, both quarterbacks seemed very timid. You know, you kind of bring up something that I just – I had the biggest epiphany after 
this game because initially I thought Travis was the problem. Right. You know, I thought I Travis think, was yeah, the problem. Right. I'm with you on this. Um, I don't know where you're going with You know, this. and, you know, I was thinking it was all in his head and it was his problem. Now I'm starting to wonder if it isn't the play calling and how, how they're deciding to manage the game because it seemed like Kendall from UCLA to Oregon State, it was very scripted. It was very, this is what you're going to do. Mm-hmm. And... Then when Travis came in, it was sort of the same thing. And I had the opportunity to watch the Oregon State game in that 60-minute production that the Pac-12 does mm-hmm. from last year. Travis was kind of out making plays and, you know, extending extending yeah. some things, you know, the year before. And we didn't really see that this year. So I'm almost wondering if it's not so much the quarterbacks, but what they're telling them to do. And, again, this is coming from someone I don't, fully understand all the play calling, all the X's and O's, but I feel like I have a good feel for the flow of right. the yeah. game. And we have and been it just, privileged to see two QBs. Like run the I same said, I just now. I just feel like both seemed incredibly scripted and as I told my boss, I don't think either of those guys function very well being scripted. They have to be able to kind of fill the game and make decisions for themselves. So I think last year there's a reason why Wilson had 16 interceptions, mm-hmm. because he was called a gunslinger. Yeah. He would throw into tight pockets. Mm-hmm. He didn't have that fear. And now he's in the pocket. and He's a little timid. He's pay- more patient, but a little too patient, mm-hmm. which is tough to criticize a guy because he I hasn't know. thrown any picks, but a lot of three and outs, a lot of, mm-hmm. you know, but they got such a good running back that it's almost like, well, they're starting to third and four every time which is a blessing right i mean you don't see that except for super bowl winning teams and the alabamas and you know those type of teams i don't know what's going on with the wide receiver crew i think they're taking advantage of the hard work of the hogs on the front line because those guys are working their tushies off i mean they are not giving up on plays when they're done pass protecting, they're running down the field and they're pushing people off piles. Mm-hmm. They're jumping on piles. And these receivers are dropping passes. Done. My, my cousin's husband brought this up because he played offensive line a little bit in a semi-pro team up in Wisconsin. And he said that the pass protection still was a little bit suspect. It's still not quite where it needs to be. And that's part of the problem but I mean at the same time I feel like now we've seen both quarterbacks pretty much place the ball in a catchable area for these receivers and they're not coming down with it one thing that's a problem one thing I've heard and it might have even been Keith Stubbs that brought it up on his sports show on ESPN 700 was you have one quarterback that's right-handed and six foot seven. Mm-hmm. You have another quarterback that's maybe six feet and left-handed, mm-hmm. and I think that that might be very difficult for a running back, especially a college running back, who take practice after practice, know exact because I mean you're talking about almost a foot height difference in where the ball is being thrown from, let alone different spins, yeah. different. It's true. Running back or wide receiver. Because you said running back, but I think you're okay. The quarterbacks are <laughs> our, our quarterbacks. Right. One's six are seven, different. throws right-handed. Mm-hmm. The other guy's six foot, maybe, and throws left-handed. Right. And whoever he, when you have that disparity on 
sides of the arms and then the height difference it's going to screw up your running back your tight ends your slot receivers your long receivers because you have to catch them on different sides of your shoulders right it and you know i know that kenneth scott's come out and said you know it's a little bit different and i think drez has said the same thing it's a little bit different but they both said that it's not something that's unmanageable um, well, it sure seems to be unmanageable not taking I, swipes but. right right and it's probably, I, yeah, if we're picking, like, they're doing a lot of things good, this is the one standing out thing that they're not doing, doing well. well. You know, so. It cost them a game. It co- yeah, they're, it the funny part is we're one quarter away from being undefeated. Mm-hmm. And one play. Really. Oh, yeah, it's, it's a really weird you, thing. If if Scott doesn't fumble that no, ball. it was Drez. Was it Drez it was that Drez. fumbled? Well, no, it wasn't a fumble. It was that long, that long ball, that long pass in the Washington State okay, game Okay, yeah, that one's end. fair. That one's fair. That if he had caught that, game over. Yeah. Yeah. Game ah, over. So close. And it again, it hit him right in the hands, and he didn't come down with it. I haven't seen a defense all around be better in any football game in the country this year for in several Utah? years. Yeah. Utah. It's not fake, is it? I don't think so. I think these guys are the real deal. I mean, they are just so aggressive and. You know, it's not just one person really contributing, even though, you know, several people or, you know, you hear Nate Orchard get a lot of credit. But, I mean, there's also Derek Norris. There's Johnny Paul. There's Tevin Carter. There's, you know, Blecken's been in there a couple of times. He's hurting people. It's fantastic. Yeah. He's Uh, a missile. (laughs) You know, Hunter Demick's a young guy. You have... Uh, Lowell Lotulele and Hatfield and Orphe had a fantastic game this past week. Orphe had? Uh huh. What a great name. That no, Orphe. Oh, Orphe. Davion Orphe. I thought you said Orphe yeah. had. I, was I like, thought you did too. I was like, that Eric, should be Pat's like, name. I don't want to jump in here, but <laughs> yeah. uh, that name was unusual. You know, <laughs> Eric Rowe, like, I really think just about everybody that's played out there at one point or another has had their name called for some spectacular play on the yeah, defense. Yeah, they're making plays out there. They're making Low plays out there. scoring games. They're keeping the offense in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, they look good. They've been very, very good. What do you see for uh, the USC game? you see them struggling in any aspect of the game, or you think USC's in trouble? Uh, that's really hard to say. I mean, that's really hard to say. I kind of see this game as being low scoring again. Mm-hmm. I think... That's good think, for Utah, right? I, I think at this point in time, that's how Utah is going to want the rest of their games to go. If the defense can keep it low scoring and make it more smash mouth, then their offense has a chance um, until perhaps they get the passing game going, in which case there could be a little give or take there. But, yeah, I see, I see it being low scoring and smash mouth. I mean, USC's front – for the offense is nasty. Their defense is nasty. The one thing, my my uncle is a USC fan, and he's having all these little USC mm. buddies come into town for this game and hang out with us. I got some USC fanfare in my family, um, too. But uh, he, the one thing he said is he feels like USC's defense right now peters out after about the third quarter. They just get gassed, and they They're don't have – They don't have uh, – the, the substitutions. They don't have the scholarship players mm-hmm. to sub in and kind of keep people fresh and stuff. And I think between being up in the altitude as well. It's supposed to be 45 and degrees And it's supposed to night. be a little bit chilly that night as well. I'm I, liking our chances. I, I like Utah's chances to maybe wear them out. 
And let's point out yeah, why yeah. they don't have that depth is because they've been on probation the last five years. And had <coughs> they Reggie Bush. And had they have not. Have they ever not been on probation? It's <laughs> <laughs> like, feels like it. it's been forever. Yeah. <laughs> I think like, that's their recruiting thing. It's like, yeah, probation, well, if, but we'll do our best. If it wasn't USC, they probably would have got the death kill, I think. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I I. Did you see him, see uh, Linda that. White got thrown out I the saw, game? I was about to bring that up. They <laughs> threw him out of the, the, I forget what it was, like the conference or the yeah. uh, locker room or something. Snoop Dogg's a lot, but no, Linda White's not. <laughs> Priorities, oh, people. Not the Los Angeles I know. <laughs> you guys are talking about. I did see that, though. There's video of it, too, of him being escorted out. USC looked very good against Colorado. They it's did. not easy to say that Colorado is a good team. I was going to say there's not many teams that look bad against Colorado, mm-hmm. despite the fact I will give them props. They have looked much better this year than they have in years past. They um, lost on a fluke play to Arizona State on that Hail Mary, or was it Arizona? Uh, uh, Arizona no, that was our State. state. That was yes. Arizona State. Their, their safety their safety was staring at the ball instead of going to make a play at the like ball. He was like catch it like in and a basket. He didn't even yeah. have his arms extended. He, he was waiting for the ball to come to him instead of going to the ball, yeah. and Arizona State's receiver jumped up and made a fantastic play. That was absolutely amazing. Probably one of the best plays, I think, of probably the yeah, entire 2014 that season. That was a great play. That was a cool play. play to watch. Just waiting there, snagged it out from under him. And gosh, you have to imagine that kid got razzed after. Oh, like, don't even show what up were you? On yeah, please. Well, they're probably still not talking to him. <laughs> <laughs> He's the guy who had to escort Lendo White out. That guy. He's on a security duty. It's saying to me that USC is n- the number one team in the South Division at five and two. Utah is third at five and one. USC must be undefeated in the conference. No, because they've lost to um, Arizona State. Right, they should have that one loss. Maybe it's so a uh, rankings thing, a uh, power rankings thing. Mm. Yeah. What do you think it's going to take for the, let's see, U- Utah is number 19 right now. Mm-hmm. Let's say number 5 through 18 all tank, and Utah gets that number 4 spot, and we're in the playoffs. What do you think? Crazy season, crazier things have happened. Yeah, crazier things have happened. Uh, I I think that's an incredibly long shot. A bus gets a flat, you know, on the way to the game. You know, ineligibility. I think I think it's a long shot for the youth yeah. to make the playoffs this year. I wouldn't be entirely surprised though to potentially see them, and we'll for see after this game. I think this game will be incredibly telling as to whether or not they make that kind of push. But I I wouldn't be shocked if. They perhaps are the South winners right. and play in the Pac-12 championship game. So here's some perspective. Their first game was Fresno State 13-52, right around the same score as Utah yeah. versus Fresno State. Mm-hmm. Then they went into Stanford and beat them on a field goal game 13-10. Then they went out to Boston, Massachusetts, they lost massacred. 31-37. Oregon State, they beat 35-10. Arizona State, they lost on the Hail Mary, 38-34. Mm-hmm. And then they did they they beat Arizona last week, 28-26. So they're a for-real team. Yeah. No, I, I think there's a lot of talent there. I mean, even Coach Witt said that they may be the most complete team. Mm-hmm. It, again, it's just a depth issue for them more than anything. And then they put, you know, almost 56 points on Colorado. So they... They've played defensive games. They've mm-hmm. played special teams games. 
They've played high-powered offensive games, and without a couple of flukes here and there, in a bad quarter, they're they're a good team. Mm-hmm. And kind of in the same boat as Utah, I'd say. But I love Utah's defense. I mean, they hit you hard. They hit you with purpose. Uh, I loved that little side suplex that uh, one of the defensive backs did. Mm-hmm. You know, he kind of pushed him, thought he'd go down on the running back, and then he grabbed him and, and you know did his old uh, Scott <laughs> Steiner on him. That was fa- fantastic. <laughs> Mm. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to this blackout game. Getting pumped up. Those helmets are so sick. Chrome? Sick. Yes. Oh my gosh. If there is such a thing as a sexy helmet, Utah nailed Careful it. There. Hashtag <laughs> sexy helmet. Sexy helmet. <laughs> <laughs> Those things are just So, gorge. what do you think about the Trojan new helmets? They have new helmets? helmets? Brand new ones. Yeah, they got the chrome, too. Ooh, I didn't even know that. I didn't this. know that. Let me pull up the old Google machine for you. The old Google machine. See, again, yeah. with the uniforms. We have oversaturation of uniforms. And are they planning on wearing those for this week's I game? believe so. What? Trying to rain on our blackout parade? I think so. Helmet on helmet warfare is what <laughs> I say. <laughs> I mean, you know what? Okay, this is their I, I honestly would expect nothing less from USC. They can obviously afford such frivolry. It's That's different too shiny. Co- yeah, different color That's red. That's what I say about a lot of the helmets. They're too shiny. <laughs> That's too it's shiny. Weird. We're either hot or cold on the helmets. We either go super shiny or we go the flat finish. See, <laughs> if you're going to do chrome, I feel okay. like you have to do like Utah did, where it's the on top of something matte, so it's not overwhelming yeah you know what drives me nuts is notre dame has the gaudiest helmets shiny gold helmets ever and then they have faded gray or gold pants i don't know how they missed it (laughs) why not have gold with the gold i don't know i don't get it It it's driving me nuts i'm gonna stay up at night sending tweets to nobody (laughs) my uniform theory about how we should swap uniforms well i know what i'm watching for tonight yeah so I'm going to put a score out there, and I almost want to say Utah by two touchdowns, but I'm going to say 28-21 Utah going away with uh, 260 yards rushing by Utah. Wow, big game. Yeah. Big game. Uh, I I do like Utah in this one. I, I feel like if – the defense does what they've been doing and maybe a little special teams gets thrown in there and Booker can keep doing what he does. And especially if they surprise us offensively and, you know, maybe come up with a little bit of a passing game. I I do. I like Utah shot to take down USC. Um, okay, yeah. We owe him one with that blocked field goal a couple years ago. Um, I have been saying for years that Utah has been playing Russian roulette with USC, and they've been darn lucky to pull the blank every single time. Let's put six in that chamber. I'm going to say, I think think they're just – they're pretty close to hitting that bullet. Would, <laughs> the one chamber yes, with the bullet. <laughs> yes, I, I feel the same way. I'm just kind of nervous about this guy. I could see the whole ship crumbling, yeah. or I could see we keep the engine rolling. I know. Down it's... there. But I would like a special team steal a possession sort of thing. Yeah. The first 15 minutes are, are going to be big. I think see so. See who, who has the momentum. Because I see this game, like you said, running away, but I don't know which way uh-huh. to it. It's one of those games where, like, first possession, you're like, oh, it's going to be one of those nights. Uh-huh. But I, I can't pick which way. I, I, I feel pretty confident about Utah. I think 
the score is probably going to be a little bit lower than what you said, but I like Utah by a touchdown. Okay. I like a low-scoring game, too. I could see a four-point game yeah, in here somewhere. Yeah, I think it's going to be a ground-and-pound type game. That would be to their advantage. It would be to just, their advantage. That's, that's, why I, that's why I would pick Utah. That's just how they like to play. I mm-hmm. could see an onside kick by mm-hmm. special team coach Whittingham. Something weird because he loves doing say, that. I was going to say a fake punt. I don't know about an onside kick because they've done the onside kick already. But they're so good at it. Really? Yeah. Uh, you know, it. I was going to say... I want to see Rugby Boy just take off his helmet and start running down the field, you know? He's done that before. He got them a fourth With his helmet down. off? Not with his helmet <laughs> off. But, I mean, helmet he, off, he, one he, cleat? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that should be their fake punt. You do a little rugby style, just keep running. Just keep running. <laughs> I'll, I'll tweet you that know, at the coach, Offensively, the I can even see them, you know, and if any time's a good time to pull out a trick play on offense, I would say it would be this game. I could yeah. so see them running a reverse, a hook and ladder. I'd like to see a halfback pass. You know, maybe a flea flicker, something that USC hasn't seen them do that's just going to put them back on their heels. I'd like to see a little bit of Kendall Thompson on the field at the same time. I, You know, and some people put him in the slot. about that. He's I, fast. Well, He's or got even, quick knees, laterally. Even, you know, talking about one of the quarterbacks handing the ball off to the other one, scrambling a little bit, and then them throwing it down the field. I mean, that would just – how do you plan for that? Because you don't know which one's going to maybe take off and run with it, which one's going to maybe throw it. I'd be so disappointed if there's not 18 trick plays in this game. (laughs) (laughs) Got trick play on my brain now. Well, and it's been so long since Utah's done anything like that. Too. Like really They're gone due. for it. Yeah. So, you know what? It's probably the only, only thing really outside the box this year, right? So maybe, yeah. maybe they got something to sleep. I hope so. Maybe something to turn the tide mm-hmm. if the game gets a little stagnant. I was going to say, special teams, they had a really nice trick play. They ran that reverse off of the punt return they received, which okay. was kind of cool. All right. Special teams is good. Special teams, good. something could happen there. How's the health of the Utes? You know what? I think they came out of Oregon State unscathed i don't think anybody's too terribly banged up um i know that carter's still a little bit questionable i don't know if they're still hoping that he'll be back in time for this game if not i think godfrey's you know held his own Mm -hmm. he's not quite the playmaker but he hasn't made any terrible terrible mistake right paul's doing good yeah because he seems like he makes a big play and then he has to go out for a minute because his knee's hurting or something I, I think Paul's good. He was out there today practicing. Um, Is he the MVP of the team? Because since he's come back, the defense has become a different team. When Whittingham Jr., well, not Jr., but when Whittingham went James down, Whittingham. the defense was not as good. And when Paul took his place, it's the best defense in football. You know, I think some of it has to do with Johnny. Mm-hmm. I think some of it also had to do with Tevin harder kind of you know figuring kind of getting comfortable figuring out his way around Mm -hmm. the defense um I think those two probably have made the biggest improvement and even Blecken I mean you he's a little more quiet than maybe the other two but you kind of look he's hitting harder than he's ever hit in his life he's hitting hard he's gone an interception or two I've kind of lost track now but I mean he's been making some plays his beard is nasty yeah 
I'm sorry, Brian. I'm sorry. <laughs> it, it just, I don't know what you're doing, friend. Have you it's, seen it, pa- Patrick? I think I can see it from here. It's, yeah. <laughs> I think it's it's like married to. The, like weird mohawk thingy yeah. that he's doing. The sides are all shaved. Like I bet when his long. chin strap comes off, he loses a quarter inch on his beard. Packs down that beard. Pack it down. You know, just greasing it down. The eyeshadow on in the locker room. Yeah. Packs down the beard in the locker room. He's <laughs> got two graduate students just packing down that beard in athletic tape. Like, good, gonna be a good game tonight, boys. Just a roll and a half. Watch out. The chin strap. Should have his own endorsement from like Rydell chin straps for his beard. Maybe this could catch on. Forget my uniform idea. I bet a chin strap has got a hole cut in the middle of it. Let that beard out. You know, intimidation. Intimidation. All right, what were we talking about? <laughs> anyway, I agree with me on that one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Anything else that we should be mindful for Saturday besides the crowd's going to be incredibly drunk? I. I think this crowd's going to be absolutely insane. insane. You th- insane. You think the m- so? Hmm, that brings me to a journalistic question. There's a guy named Kyle Goon. Mm-hmm. If you go to his Twitter account and look through his picture account, he's uh, got some interesting photos of the muss. Here's a photo of the muss. It's not full. The only place it's not selling out in the muss is the top five or six rows at the very, very top. Mm-hmm. He took that photo right after halftime or something and slanted it. I'm actually thinking about talking to him about it because it bothers me from a journalistic point of view. Because I'm at every game, and mm-hmm. I'm there for all four quarters, and I'm on the field, and I can't go to the bathroom, and I can't not look away. And I'm looking right at the must because I'm on that side of the field. Right. It's not true. The must students are there, except on the very, very top. And he's got pictures around saying they're – the students of the U aren't showing up. Like, it's not acceptable. Well, part of what I heard is that everybody, like, packs down. Like, everybody's packing down and, like, in the stairway. So it kind of, the oh. top ends up looking mm-hmm. empty, so but really like, it's, they're all kind of moving yeah. down closer yeah, that's to the fair. Mm-hmm. But, no, I, I challenge any of you to go look at Kyle Goons. He's a very good writer. He's a very good sport journalist in this market. But he's got several photos in there that are just, they're flat-out lies. They're not truthful. If I were his editor, I would have a, he'd be in my office. I haven't looked at his You photos. should. Just please do. <laughs> Maybe we need a little uh, counterpoint photos. That's what, what's I, really going on that's what I was thinking because I, yeah. I have tons of photos before pregame, and I wanted to hit them up, like, just with the whole stadium empty. Like, oh, from Kyle Goon's point of view, like, the most is empty. Cause right. That's where it's at. Respond to him with a photo. Yeah. And yeah, this is place. not Michelle knocking you, Kyle. This is big dummy over here. But <laughs> I don't appreciate that name for me. But <laughs> you say what you gotta say. I was, I was gonna say Kyle. Kyle came into Channel Four the other day and did a preview for the Utah USC game. And afterwards, we were kind of sitting there and talking about the offense. And one thing he said, and I was so glad he said it, with regards to Utah's offense, was. After the Oregon State game, I was so confused. And I was sitting there going, Kyle, I'm so glad you said that you were confused because that was how I felt after the game. Like, there was just so much about how the offense worked and ran that game that I was confused by. It made no sense. The Utes have had seven offensive coordinators in seven years. Have they really? Yes. Wow. Yes. They are are a mess. From a coaching perspective on offense. Although I 
I think they found the right pieces. I think it's coaching wise. Mm hmm. Well, and even personnel wise, I think it's just a matter of they're still getting comfortable with each other. I think, you know, it's still getting organized and hopefully it clicks by this year. I think Utah wins enough games this year just based off of what I've seen, based off of the fight of the team that I think the coaching staff's going to be fine and be here next year. And hopefully, you know, they can really get that end of it rolling because going forward, they're going to need the offense to be a little bit more than just Devontae Booker. Yes, yeah. A foundation of coaches, Mm -hmm. play calling. That'll be huge for three, four years down yeah, the road. Build I think, on this I think good season, this top 20 season. We're going to have mm-hmm. quite the quarterback debate next year because Wilson's not going to the NFL anytime soon. No. What? No. <laughs> he might go to the Raiders. The Raiders might draft him no, first round. No, Wilson, Wilson, first round. <laughs> Wilson and Kendall should both be back. And then, you know, I mean, Cox. We have you, Cox you have together. to think about, yeah, some of the younger guys even. Maybe Brandon Cox can overtake those two. I know that the coaches are incredibly high on Donovan Isom. Maybe he, or you know what, maybe Wilson and but Kendall. But none, none of those guys are the offensive coordinator's guys, except for, you know, the Isom. Oklahoma kid. Yeah, Is Isom recruited this year by? I don't remember who his recruiting coach is, but, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I know that they're high on him, uh, and they expect really, really big things of him. So before I get you out, have you seen the new Huntsman Center? I have seen pictures. I have not actually been there in person it's to check phenomenal. it out. I worked all weekend at the Lady Volleyball Games, and it, the court is stunning. The way that they've created the inclusivity for the women's sports, they they got a big drape that takes off the whole upper dome. Okay, so nice. it makes it – it's all relit. It's uh, – I know that the cloud is gone, which is fantastic because that was always so distracting to me. I just sit there and look at that instead of watching like the basketball game. Half and the we time. had a great pre pregame moment. Like I was talking to one of the athletic guys and goes, "Man, our sound system sounds phenomenal because they just hundreds and hundreds of thousand dollars." I said, "Well, you got to put some AC/DC on and turn that puppy up." And so we had the place rocking out to AC/DC. It was pretty nice. Very nice. Yes, oh, wow. I thought it was I classy. I approve. <laughs> I 100% approve. So students, go support your lady volleyball team. Go look at the Huntsman Center. Tweet out of it. Get them viral because it's phenomenal. The hard work that Cowboy does there to not only preserve the Huntsman Center, but the football stadium. You know, hats off to those guys. You're going to do good work. Very well kept. Michelle, what do you got going on this week? What, where, where can they read you? Where can they tweet you? Break down, lady. I'm going to be a busy, busy girl a this busy week. Busy girl. Busy you on the field again? Uh, I will be at Utah's game, mm-hmm. of course. Um, I'm hoping to get there relatively early so I can go check out all of the madness because I know it's just going to be an absolute zoo, and I'm looking forward press, to it. Press pass? Uh, an extra pet press pass? Yeah. No, I don't. Okay, because I was going to offer a five thousand word uh, story on this. But <laughs> I'm not working the game, so Aww. yeah, they sold it to Fox Sport Dumb. So, and I'm not on their crew. So. so, yeah, that game, I'm going to be checking out RSL's playoff game tomorrow. So, nice. I'll be there. Um, and as far as reading any of my stuff, as always, you go to utezone.com. It's paid membership, but I promise you it's worth every penny. And my one of my partners in crime, Brett Borg, 
is starting to get fired up with Utah basketball, and that's something you're not going to want to miss either. Brett Borg's got the greatest avatar on Twitter I've personally ever seen. Grateful what is it? Red. <laughs> it's uh, the Still Your Face skull, and it's got a Ute emblem on there. Uh, and any of you dedicated K-Ute fans will remember the Grateful Dead shows with uh, Scott Looking Land, and I was his producer, and somehow that show had one of the best emblems I've ever seen. And if you want to see the emblem, go look at Brett Borg's Borg. Twitter account. Mm-hmm. Tell him I said hello. Yes, of course. Um, <laughs> and then as far as following following me on Twitter or anything like that, it's mbodkinrivals, and I always follow back and I always interact with you. I'll favorite anything you tweet at me. Uh, you guys kind of know and have seen. I'll you say some have told me wacky, that. weird <laughs> type things back at you. Like, I, I, I'm all about interacting with you guys and so, yeah. No, you're Follow great. Me. You're great on Twitter. And um, I guess I got in trouble for the last couple of weeks not asking you. Give me a shoe update. A shoe update. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if this is right to say they're my pirate hooker boots. That's okay. That's that's. <laughs> a- I don't think you could have said it any writer. <laughs> I don't know what else to call them. All right, we'll have to. Well, we will tweet out the <laughs> pirate hooker the, boots. The pirate hooker boots. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, I got gotcha. you. They're like a stylish <laughs> pirate hooker boots, like a high class one. Yep. <laughs> we will tweet Island. them out. Hashtag pirate hooker boots. <laughs> and uh, do you have any updates on the World Series game that's going on? Uh, when you, I know it's been 50 minutes. Several hours. Uh, the last time I saw, and I think it was when the game just barely started up, Giants were ahead of the Royals three by three. Oh, boo. So. Okay, I have an update for you. Yeah. Top of the seventh, Giants seven, Royals nothing. Okay, so it's just gone steadily worse. (laughs) That's not fair. Depending on which end of it you're on. That's true. Or you could be like me and just be totally neutral. Well, everyone out there who goes and enjoys the Ute game this weekend, please don't drink and drive. Get a taxi, tweet me, I'll pick you up. Uh, There's no reason to hurt someone. You will lose your scholarship if you get a DUI. You will lose your Pell Grants. You will lose everything if they catch you with weed or alcohol in your system behind a car. So... Don't do it. Just bum me out, man. Sorry, sir. Hershey my mellow. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, don't do it. Well, thank you so much, Michelle. It's beautiful Absolutely. as always to see you. And go back and listen to her on our last couple episodes that just finally got up. So we will see you next weekend. I know Michelle will be here. Mm-hmm. And in the first hour, we will have something going on. So I promise you that. Patrick, in my head, follow him. Go see him early November. We will constantly remind you of that show. I will beat it over your head. Yes. Come see me. Thank you, <laughs> everyone. We appreciate you. I see trees of green, red roses too. I see them bloom for me and you. And I think to myself, What a wonderful world I see skies of blue And clouds of white The bright blessed days 
the dark sacred night and I think to myself